we are going to open up our Bibles. We're going to kind of just jump right into this and continue just in the presence of God. And so if you need a Bible so you can read along, will you raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. Keep it up and keep it somewhat high so that they can actually see your hand is up. Um, if, if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. It's a little over a third of the way through. Even as the kids displayed. Someone from kids camp, what do you do if you don't know where the book of the Bible is that you need to find in this greater big book? What do you do? Table of contents. And what do you look for in the table of contents? Yeah, it'll tell you what page it's on. Kids, do we need to be embarrassed if we ever have to use the table of contents? Should we be ashamed if we ever have to use the table of contents? Come on. Just use the table of contents. Okay. So anybody else need a Bible? Keep your hand up and they'll get that to you. Um, so why are we reading out of 2 Kings today? Great question. And uh, actually last Sunday at the end of our message, we were reading in Nehemiah. And we had done two weeks on Nehemiah and uh, Dorn Olin, one of our elders and um, someone that I really consider a prophet of, of our church family, came up to me at the end of the service and said that earlier in the week he had been reading in 2 Kings and got to this part in chapter 6 and really felt that it spoke about what God is wanting to do in our church. And, um, and so he kind of went in to explain to me some different things and um, is all resonating with me. I go home and a couple hours later, kind of uh, early evening, mid evening, somewhere around in there, I get a text from Dan Butler, who's part of our family here at City Harvest. And he said that during my message, he was praying and, and I don't know why he wasn't listening to my message. He should have just been, you know, soaking it up, but obviously he needed to hear something else from God. And he felt like God led him to second Kings chapter six. And that, um, and he kind of had a different angle from it. So me being a very observant, bright young man that I am, I decided maybe God's saying something. And uh, so that's why you and I find ourselves in 2 Kings chapter 6 today. We're going to be reading from verse 8 through verse 23. And we're going to highlight two points. But as we do, I want you to think of these two questions. And these kind of go to the two points that we're going to read. The first one is, have you asked God to show you what he sees that you can't see about your current situation? Many of us can go through situations and we ask God to change the situation. Many times we can go through situations and we begin to freak out about our situation. Many times we go through situations and it paralyzes us in worry and anxiety and stress. And we can say, we can put on a prayer request, I, I need God to change it. But how often do we pause and say, God, will you show me what you see about this that I can't see? Will you show me the bigger picture of what you're doing that goes beyond my own mind, goes beyond my own abilities? The second question for the second half is, do you ask God how you should treat your enemies? Now, I think most of us in this room have had somebody in our life that maybe we didn't prefer, and uh, we kind of ask God to kind of help 
distance them from us, to create some space so that we could uh, have some health. But we got to remember that everybody is a child of God. But we also got to remember that um, even as we talk about hearing the voice of Holy Spirit, when, when Holy Spirit gives us the what, we need to make sure we then don't run out prematurely and just start doing whatever it is, the what we got. We need to slow down and ask God, how does he want us to deliver that thing? To whom do we deliver it? In what way do we deliver it? In, in what is his timing in that way? And we don't just prematurely run. And so part of that is slowing down. Even when we're praying and kind of pushing something away is once God comes and does something, we then don't go and take it the rest of the way, but we continue to ask God what he wants to do. So again, 2 Kings chapter 6, and I'm going to begin in verse 8. It says, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated uh, by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. So this enemy is coming, wants to attack Israel. God is giving Elijah the prophet knowledge of what's taking place. They didn't need a spy to be in that other, in that king's courts to get the plans. God brought the plans to Elisha. Elisha would then tell the king of Israel. The king of Israel would then tell his troops and to, to make sure that, that, that you know, they weren't trapped or they weren't um, attacked in that way. Verse 11, the king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So the king of Aram, the attacking king, he's upset about this. He's obviously thinking that it must be one of his leaders is, is, is a traitor. Once they come up with a plan, he somehow sends a messenger to tell the king of Israel what his plans are. So he gathers his leaders, asks that question. They say, no, it's Elijah. He says, all right, we got to go get this guy. He's messing up our entire plans. 
He's figuring it out. We got to seize him. So they go and they, they encircle where he's at. And then his assistant, a younger guy, gets up in the morning and goes out. And what he sees is this entire army around him. He has a normal response, probably the same exact response that you and I would have. We would run back into our leader and be like, I think it actually, if it was me, it'd be a lot more frantic than this. It'd be panicked. I would have dropped to the floor. I would have whispered and crawled in. It would be like, you, like we're going to die. Do you know what's going on? And Elisha goes out there, but he sees something that goes beyond the natural eye. He sees in the spirit. And then he prays, God, will you show my young assistant? Will you open his eyes to see beyond the natural and to see what you're already doing? His eyes are open, and what does he see? He sees the army of God surrounding. It's way more than the army of Aaron. It's way more intimidating. And he realizes is that God is on their side. So there's the first question, is have you asked God to show you what he sees, what you can't about your current situation? We talk here a lot about our current situations, not because we're all trying to feel sorry for ourselves, but because life can be hard. Okay, one hand-raising question. How many of you guys have discovered that life is sometimes difficult? Okay, so... We do have that in common. We have Jesus in common, and we have that life can be difficult in common. But we want to acknowledge those things. We want to live in the dichotomy of the reality of our human life, of living here on earth, mixed with the reality of the greatness of God. And so in our trials and in our difficult situations, there is a time to surrender it to Jesus, to intercede and pray, Lord, will you change this? To turn into a prayer request and, and God, we need something to shift. Will you heal this person? Will you do this? But many times, if we don't see something in the natural taking place, the person we're praying for is still sick. The tumor hasn't shrunk. Maybe it's even grown. The job hasn't come. Whatever the, the, the situation, the relationship hasn't healed. The person hasn't said, you know what? I was wrong. I, I, I want to come and I want to ask for forgiveness. Let's pray for it, but let's also ask this question of God, what do you want me to see that I can't see? Because I believe in those situations when we ask that question, I believe God shows us. He shows us that he's working. I've prayed that before in situations of whether it be going to the doctor's office. And it's, Lord, I don't know why you're allowing this to take place. But maybe it's the person I'm going to sit next to in the waiting room. And if the whole reason I have to go through this trial is so I can sit next to the person you want me to sit next to in the waiting room and reflect you and represent you, so be it. Maybe it's the person, the, the nurse or the doctor or the, the PA or whoever it is. And God, if it's for them. Maybe it's after I go through this, I'm going to be part of a support group with other people. 
and I'm going to be your representative. And you're taking me all the way through this because you needed to send a messenger into that group. And you needed to have someone who would go in there. Why is it that I struggle with these difficulties? Maybe God wants me to connect with other people who struggle with it too and say what you're feeling is real, to, to acknowledge it, to normalize it, but to point them to our creator, to point them to God. So do we stop and pray, Lord, will you show me, show me what you see, show me what you're up to that I can see what you see. The second part, verse 18. Is there me an army advanced toward him? Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. You want to talk about a superpower? That's pretty amazing. But it had to be used for the glory of God, okay? So it's not just a superpower that can be taken advantage of. Then Elisha went out and told them, you have come the wrong way. Now, I don't know, children, I'm not condoning lying. But technically, maybe this is a white lie, I don't know. They actually are where they wanted to be. But maybe he's telling the truth because it's not where they were supposed to be. But uh, nonetheless, he says, now that they've been blinded, you've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he held them, and he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elijah, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war, give them food and drink, and send them home again to their master? So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Now, what's not part of the story right now is after a certain period of time, they actually regrouped, whether they forgot the mercy that they had been shown or decided that they still wanted to attack, and they actually came back to Samaria and attacked. But what's interesting here, and this was the part that, that Doran had said, is that, you know, we're praying for God to come and work. We want God to work in our lives. We want to pray for our family members, our coworkers. But we're asking that people can come and taste and see that God is good. That they would experience the presence of God and the power of God. But many times when you and I have an enemy, a lot of times it's difficult for us to even pray that God would come and meet them and bless them and heal their wounds. Why is it difficult? Because they've hurt us. And it doesn't feel fair that God would heal their wound when we're still struggling with our own wound. So maybe we struggle with that. Or maybe it's, Lord, would you come and I'm a Christian, so I guess I have to pray because your word says that I forgive others 
as you've forgiven me, and if I want to be forgiven, so I need to forgive others. So, okay, I, I guess I'll do that part. But any chance you could just move them out of our city? I just really do not want to run into them at the grocery store. I don't ever want to see their face again. I mean, I'm, I'm meeting with a therapist to forget these pictures and these images in my mind. The last thing I need is to run into this person. But I guess, Lord, if you want to love on them as you've loved on me, so be it. But just keep them at bay. Keep them away from me. But here's the situation where the king of Israel finally has the army come, and they're right there. And he's thinking, oh, yes, we got it. Let's go for blood. Let's annihilate them. And he calls out to Elisha, is that what I should do? Should we kill him? We're ready. We're geared up for this. And he's like, no, that's not how we treat him. We're going to treat him with love. We're going to treat him with mercy. We're going to feed him. Actually, no, I don't want you to kill him. I actually want you to go prepare something in in a way to bless them. And then we're not going to keep them captive. Nope, we're actually just going to send them on home. Just kind of saying, hey guys, I hope you don't do this again. Hope you learned your lesson. But the challenge for you and I is that some of our, God might be bringing some of your and my enemies here. Could we sit next to them? Could we worship God with them? We have to remember that it's not about building our kingdom our comfort zone. God isn't determined by your and my emotions and what we would want and what makes us feel safe. It's about us aligning with him and what he wants in his glory and him bringing in whoever he wants to bring in. So do we ask God how we should treat our enemies? King of Israel did something pretty wise. He could have just gone out and started to do it. But he realized that it was God who created this circumstance. It wasn't the king of Israel that created this circumstance. It was God. God was there leading them. And so he went and he asked God through Elisha, saying, is this what we should do? And he got wisdom. He slowed down to ask the question. But to think through, are we ready to ask God how we should treat our enemies? Or do we hold on to our pain and hold on to whatever it is we're going through and in a sense keep them at bay? On this back wall, we have our culture. It has our vision, living, our identity, and purpose in Christ. That's the goal, that you and I know who we are in Christ and we live it out and we walk out the purpose of Christ in our life. Four purposes to be with God to walk with Jesus, to love others, and to go with Holy Spirit. And here you see the definition of love others that we we like to use. Love others. Like the Father has loved us. How has the Father loved us? Radically and wholeheartedly. Through a lifestyle of honor, forgiveness, mercy, hospitality, and authenticity in community. Man, God has so radically and wholeheartedly loved you and I. And the greatest way we can say thank you to him is to love others the way he loved us. To not be a stumbling block for others, 
but to go and embrace him. Will the praise team come up? We're gonna um, sing one more song here. And um, do we have hand motions for it? Okay. So I know you guys have, man, you guys, any of you, if you guys got like a Fitbit or something like that, today's a day of celebration. You're gonna have more steps and calories burned just through going through this. It is great. We're gonna sing this song and it's called I'm Trading My Sorrows, okay? And um, it's a classic. And, um, but on this, I would ask that you hear the words. You know, the two of the songs we sang, a lot of it is what God wants to resurrect in us. We're saying, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. You guys remember singing that part? Each one of us have a tendency to stay stuck in our shame, to stay stuck in our circumstances, to stay stuck in the lies that have been spoken up over us. And on one hand, we've desperately prayed that we could get out of it. But we also, even when God's saying, come on out of it, we, we can kind of stay stuck there and it's like, no, it's who I am. I don't want to feel this way, but it's who I am. Or we've made mistakes and we feel like we've been in a prison and we use the analogy of, you know, the, the chains are on us. But Jesus has walked in and he undid the chains. We got to let go of them. We got to choose. The door's there. We got to choose to walk out and to believe that he's calling us out of our own graves, that he wants to breathe life into you and I. And so as we sing this, I think there's something prophetic that you and I can do as we sing this. And if you don't want to do the hand motions, no worries. On the other ones, you were supposed to do them, so you can ask God for forgiveness whether you did or didn't do that. On this one is I ask that what you do is I don't know what you need to trade, but I believe we all have something we need to trade. What do I mean by trade? You're not going to your neighbor and say, here, I'll take yours if you'll take mine. It's not that kind of trade. This is the trade where we're taking on the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We're taking on the love of the Father. We're taking on the wisdom of Holy Spirit and not working in our own mind. We're trading our culture, our mind, our way of thinking and taking on the kingdom of God. And so let's, whatever your circumstance is, let's sing this with a faith that as we sing it, we're actually trading off pushing off those things in our life, seeing, I'm pointing there because it used to be there, it, seeing the things that God wants us to see that we wouldn't normally see, we're seeing those things. And believe that we're walking out of here in victory and with a new faith, believing that God wants to do the impossible in our situations and God wants to use us in a new way.